Part two, section six of Basil. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wiebke Müller. Basil by Wilkie Collins. Part two, chapter six. About six weeks after I had left the hall, my father and Clara returned to London for the season. It is not my intention to delay over my life either at home or at North Villa during the spring and summer. This would be merely to repeat much of what has been already related. It is better to proceed at once to the closing period of my probation, to a period which attacks my resolution severely to write of at all. A few weeks more of toil at my narrative, and the penance of this poor task-work will be over. Imagine, then, that the final day of my long year of expectations has arrived, and that on the morrow, Margaret, for whose sake I have sacrificed and suffered so much, is at last really to be mine. On the eve of the great change in my life that was now to take place, the relative positions in which I and the different persons with whom I was associated stood towards each other may be sketched thus. My father's coldness of manner had not altered since his return to London on my side i carefully abstained from uttering a word before him which bore the smallest reference to my real situation although when we met we outwardly preserved the usual relations of parent and child the estrangement between us had now become complete clara did not fail to perceive this and grieved over it in secret other and happier feelings however became awakened within her when i privately hinted that the time for disclosing my secret to my sister was not far off she grew almost as much agitated as I was, though by very different expectations. She could think of nothing else but the explanation and the surprise in store for her. Sometimes I almost feared to keep her any longer in suspense, and half regretted having said anything on the subject of the new and absorbing interest of my life before the period when I could easily have said all. Mr. Sherwin and I had not latterly met on the most cordial terms. He was dissatisfied with me for not having boldly approached the subject of my marriage in my father's presence, and considered my reasons for still keeping it secret as dictated by morbid apprehension, and as showing a total want of proper firmness. On the other hand, he was obliged to set against this omission on my part the readiness I had shown in meeting his wishes on all remaining points my life was insured in margaret's favour and i had arranged to be called to the bar immediately so as to qualify myself in good time for every possible place within place-hunting range my assiduity in making these preparations for securing margaret's prospects and mine against any evil chances that might happen failed in producing the favourable effect on mr sherwin which they must assuredly have produced on a less selfish man but they obliged him at least to stop short at occasional grumblings about my reserve with my father and to maintain towards me a sort of sulky politeness which was after all less offensive than the usual infliction of his cordiality with its unfailing accompaniment of dull stories and duller jokes during the spring and summer mrs sherwin appeared to grow feebler and feebler from continued ill-health occasionally her words and actions especially in her intercourse with me suggested fears that her mind was beginning to give way as well as her body for instance on one occasion when margaret had left the room for a minute or two she suddenly hurried up to me whispered with eager looks and anxious tones watch over your wife mind you watch over her and keep all bad people from her i've tried to do it mind you do it too 
i asked immediately for an explanation of this extraordinary injunction but she only answered by muttering something about a mother's anxieties and then returned hastily to her place it was impossible to induce her to be more explicit try how i might margaret once or twice occasioned me much perplexity and distress by certain inconsistencies and variations in her manner which began to appear shortly after my return to north villa from the country at one time she would become on a sudden strangely sullen and silent at another irritable and capricious then again she would abruptly change to the most affectionate warmth of speech and demeanour anxiously anticipating every wish i could form eagerly showing her gratitude for the slightest attentions i paid her these unaccountable alterations of manner vexed and irritated me indescribably i loved margaret too well to be able to look philosophically on the imperfections of her character i knew of no cause given by me for the frequent changes in her conduct and if they only proceeded from coquetry then coquetry as i once told her was the last female accomplishment that could charm me in any woman whom i really loved however these causes of annoyance and regret her caprices and my remonstrances all passed happily away as the term of my engagement with mr sherwin approached its end margaret's better and lovelier manner returned occasionally she might betray some symptoms of confusion some evidence of unusual thoughtfulness but i remembered how near was the day of the emancipation of our love and looked on her embarrassment as a fresh charm a new ornament to the beauty of my maiden wife mr mannion continued as far as attention to my interests went to be the same ready and reliable friend as ever but he was in some other respects an altered man the illness of which he had complained months back when i returned to london seemed to have increased his face was still the same impenetrable face which had so powerfully impressed me when i first saw him but his manner hitherto so quiet and self-possessed had now grown abrupt and variable sometimes when he joined us in the drawing-room at north villa he would suddenly stop before we had exchanged more than three or four words murmur something in a voice unlike his usual voice about an attack of spasm and giddiness and leave the room these fits of illness had something in their nature of the same secrecy which distinguished everything else connected with him they produced no external signs of distortion no unusual paleness in his face you could not guess what pain he was suffering or where he was suffering it latterly i abstained from ever asking him to join us for the effect on margaret of his sudden attacks of illness was naturally such as to discompose her seriously for the remainder of the evening whenever i saw him accidentally at later periods of the year the influence of the genial summer season appeared to produce no alteration for the better in him i remarked that his cold hand which had chilled me when i took it on the raw winter night of my return from the country was as cold as ever on the warm summer days which preceded the close of my engagement at north villa such was the posture of affairs at home and at mr sherwin's when i went to see margaret for the last time in my old character on the last night which yet remained to separate us from each other i had been all day preparing for our reception on the morrow in a cottage which i had taken for a month in a retired part of the country at some distance from london one month unalloyed happiness with margaret away from the world and all worldly considerations was the eden upon earth towards which my dearest hope and anticipations had pointed for a whole year past and now now at last those aspirations were to be realized 
all my arrangements at the cottage were completed in time to allow me to return home just before our usual late dinner hour during the meal i provided for my month's absence from london by informing my father that i proposed visiting one of my country friends he heard me as coldly and indifferently as usual and as i anticipated did not even ask to what friend's house i was going after dinner i privately informed clara that on the morrow before starting i would in accordance with my promise make her the depositary of my long-treasured secret which as yet was not to be divulged to any one besides this done i hurried away between nine and ten o'clock for a last half-hour's visit to north villa hardly able to realize my own situation or to comprehend the fullness and exultation of my own joy a disappointment was in store for me margaret was not in the house she had gone out to an evening party given by a maiden aunt of hers who was known to be very rich and was accordingly a person to be courted and humoured by the family i was angry as well as disappointed at what had taken place to send margaret out on this evening of all others showed a want of consideration towards both of us which revolted me mr and mrs sherwin were in the room when i entered and to him i spoke my opinion on the subject in no very conciliatory terms he was suffering from a bad attack of headache and a worse attack of ill-temper and answered as irritably as he dared my good sir he said in sharp querulous tones do for once allow me to know what's best you'll have it all your way to-morrow just let me have mine for the last time to-night i'm sure you've been humoured often enough about keeping margaret away from parties and we should have humoured you this time too but a second letter came from the old lady saying she should be affronted if margaret wasn't one of her guests i couldn't go and talk her over because of this infernal headache of mine hang it it's your interest that margaret should keep in with her aunt she'll have all the old girl's money if she only plays her cards decently well that's why i sent her to the party her going will be worth some thousands to both of you one of these days she'll be back by half-past twelve or before mannion was asked and though he's all out of sorts he's gone to take care of her and bring her back i warrant she comes home in good time when he's with her so you see there's nothing to make a fuss about after all it was certainly a relief to hear that mr mannion was taking care of margaret he was in my opinion much fitter for such a trust than her own father of all the good services he had done for me i thought this the best but it would have been even better still if he had prevented margaret from going to the party i must say again resumed mr sherwin still more irritably finding i did not at once answer him there's nothing that any reasonable being need make a fuss about i've been doing everything for margaret's interests and yours and she'll be back by twelve and mr mannion takes care of her and i don't know what you would have and it's devilish hard so ill as i am too to cut up rough with me like this devilish hard i am sorry for your illness mr sherwin and i don't doubt your good intentions or the advantage of mr mannion's protection for margaret but i feel disappointed nevertheless that she should have gone out to-night i said she oughtn't to go at all whatever her aunt wrote i said that this bold speech actually proceeded from mrs sherwin i had never before heard her utter an opinion in her husband's presence such an outburst from her was perfectly inexplicable she pronounced the words with desperate rapidity and unwonted power of tone fixing her eyes all the while on me with a strange expression damn it mrs s roared her husband in a fury will you hold your tongue what the devil do you mean by giving your opinion when nobody wants it 
upon my soul i begin to think you're getting a little cracked you've been meddling and bothering lately so that i don't know what the dose has come to you i'll tell you what it is mr basil he continued turning snappishly round upon me you had better stop that fidgety temper of yours by going to the party yourself the old lady told me she wanted gentlemen and would be glad to see any friends of mine i like to send her you have only to mention my name mannion will do the civil in the way of introduction there there's an envelope with the address to it they won't know who you are or what you are at margaret's aunt's you've got your black dress things on all right and ready for heaven's sake go to the party yourself and then i hope you'll be satisfied here he stopped and vented the rest of his ill-humour by ringing the bell violently for his arrow-root and abusing the servant when she brought it i hesitated about accepting his proposal while i was in doubt mrs sherwin took the opportunity when her husband's eye was off her of nodding her head at me significantly she evidently wished me to join margaret at the party but why what did her behaviour mean it was useless to inquire long bodily suffering and weakness had but too palpably produced a corresponding feebleness in her intellect what should i do i was resolved to see margaret that night but to wait for her between two and three hours in company with her father and mother at north villa was an infliction not to be endured i determined to go to the party no one there would know anything about me they would be all people who lived in a different world from mine and whose manners and habit i might find some amusement in studying at any rate i should spend an hour or two with margaret and could make it my own charge to see her safely home without further hesitation therefore i took up the envelope with the address on it and bade mr and mrs sherwin good-night it struck ten as i left north villa the moonlight which was just beginning to shine brilliantly on my arrival there now appeared but at rare intervals for the clouds were spreading thicker and thicker over the whole surface of the sky as the night advanced End of part two. Chapter 6